Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 39. My dad was one of the huge parts of my lives, of my life and how I became the man I am today. And um, he, um, you know, he, he taught me that you can't overcome, you know, your situation, no matter what it is, you know. Welcome to the Locala Podcast, everybody. I'm Lisa Anderson, your host and publisher of Locala Magazine. We are continuing with our June 2023 issue of callbacks from past issues as we celebrate our going into our third year of the magazine already. And so today we have brought back Josh Dennison, who is the owner of First Impressions Printing, where our lovely, if you get the subscription to our magazine, is actually printed. So I'm super excited to have him because I actually didn't do his first interview. So this is our first conversation. (laughs) And so welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you were back, your issue was back in November of 2021, and you actually landed the cover. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, And that was a surprise to me. Yes, <laughs> it is to most people. I never, I never let people know who's landing on the cover. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've uh, never had anything like that happen to me in my life, so that was very interesting. <laughs> and, and when you get the um, issue to get it printed, you got the early sneak peek of what was happening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that was before we printed it. That was before I printed it at your office, I, f- I think. So. I f- I think that was the first issue we did, actually, if was I remember it? correctly. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. It was you- the following issue, I think. You're correct, actually, because now I remember I asked for you to send me the digital copy so I could print it out for my family. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. And thus our partnership was formed. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, so what have you been up to in the last, oh, gosh, year and a half or so? <laughs> uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, I've I've been really been trying to take advantage of, uh, you know, every opportunity that comes my way as much as I possibly can. Um you know, as being a business owner during COVID, I really learned from my mistakes on just having, you know, one set of income coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, this is part of my story. I don't know if I really ever talked with um, uh, originally with the article we did. Um, but during COVID on my original business I had when I was uh, in Nebraska at the time, um, you, we we got hit so hard uh, yeah. because we, we were only promotional and apparel. Yeah. And during COVID, obviously, people are cutting money out, um, mm-hmm. you know, and Events that's... are gone. Well, those are like the first things to go is yeah. promotional apparel. Um, and uh, so we got down to the point where I was maybe, I think, a couple hundred dollars left in the bank account for the business. Oh. And um, we had to really, like, I had to just hit grind mode mm-hmm. <laughs> and cut every cost we possibly could and get it back to the point where at least we were like in the you know, the good at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I learned from that. And um, that's what actually originally brought me here to Florida in the first place is because is I realized I needed to diversify more. Mm-hmm. I need to have more options available than just promo and apparel. And mm-hmm. obviously the next step in what we were offering was, you know, your print, your signs, your your banners, mailing services, you know, all that right. kind of stuff that all coincides with each other. Um, but in my city that we were at in Nebraska, you know, the print shops already had their, they, their foothold in the community and like, there was no way in interjecting that they didn't want to sell, you know? So, um, my only opportunity was to expand outside of our city. Um, so I looked for my, uh, first available, I, I looked for options out there for print shops available and, um, 
you know, I found tons, you know, okay. out there that were for sale, but I narrowed it down to three. It was Texas, Arizona, and here in Ocala. Okay. Um, and uh, more I looked into it, Ocala was just like the perfect fit. It was... It has that like almost like Midwest feel to it, <laughs> like I mean with the horses, you just, yeah. you know, everything kind of about it that like didn't scream big city totally, like mm-hmm. you know. And I don't, I'm not a big city person, which yeah. technically this is big city compared to where I came from. Uh, me too, me too. <laughs> I know everybody can refers to this as small town, but I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously with the business side of things, you know, it's perfect because they didn't have any ownership on site. Okay. Um, the previous owner actually had passed away from a heart attack in 2010. Oh, wow. Um, so he left it to his two brothers that lived in Michigan and Pennsylvania, and they just ran from afar. Okay. Um, so a general manager, which you know, Dennis. Yes. Um, he uh, pretty much was the one running the company, you know, but there was no actual ownership, you know. Okay. He did an amazing job, and, and the staff there, I still have almost every single one of them. Um, yeah. That are still there, and they're you had amazing. one retire, one retired, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, th- you know, that's part of life. You yep. know, I guess I got to let them go when they want to retire. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't want to work forever. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not for everybody. I guess. I guess but, not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know. Um, you know, we, I just saw so many opportunities. They didn't really have a big focus on the promo side, which is that's what I my background was. So I was able yeah. to kind of come and bring that. Just a lot of things, and plus Florida. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, warmer than than you were at for sure. I am not a big fan of cold. <laughs> no, <so>. no, <laughs> <laughs> definitely very nice uh, for sure to be able to um, be where it's. You know, I remember I went into a networking event um, when I first came here. And I believe it was probably in the 40s or 50s or something like that. Um, and Everybody I walked in. I walked in t-shirt, and actually <laughs> I had shorts on. I didn't have pants on. Oh I had, no! <laughs> and I, they're khaki shorts. They're yeah. nice, you know. But like it was like a polo, a short sleeve polo, and khaki shorts, uh-huh. and and uh, everybody's like got like almost like parkas on. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I I fell very quickly into feeling Florida-ish in the cold. But part of it, it feels colder to me sometimes. You know, it's really weird. Okay, so at the time we're recording this. It's currently 60s yep. out, but it feels hotter because all the humidity Correct. is yep. there. But you put 60s in the winter, and it feels so cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting parkas. But we also don't get that transition. It's like goes from 80 to 40. Y- yep. You know, and <laughs> so I, I understand. And so I'm very much the yep. bundle up. <laughs> well, when I left to move here, um, <laughs> it actually got down to the point where it was negative 20. Um, for like a week straight. Oh, so forties, fifties um, felt pretty good to you at that oh, point. Oh, 100%. percent. <laughs> yes, I came straight from that, and it, to come here, it was it yeah. was beautiful yeah. <laughs> to me. <laughs> but the the funny thing is, I walked in that room, and they're like, "You're not from here, are you?" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, no. Nope. How do you know?" Like, Out of towner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just tell by the way you're dressed. Yeah. <laughs> so. You're not old enough to be a snowbird, but. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yep. So, well, cool. So the business has definitely grown. Um, you've added a lot of different branches um, as far as your print capabilities. Yeah? Correct. Yes. Um, and I just added new machinery uh, just now um, that uh, actually we we're actually going to be some of our stuff we you know had to outsource mm-hmm. because we didn't have all the equipment to do everything in-house. Um, I ended up uh, buying the building. Um, and with that, we had a large lease payment that we had yeah. you know, at the time. And we were able to actually save quite a bit of money um, by 
buying the building. Yeah. And with that money that I saved, instead of just taking that and, you know, putting it under the bank account or whatever, uh-huh. I wanted to improve what we're offering and hopefully grow the company even more. And so I invested into equipment and got an expansion loan for the equipment and basically brought it to where I was paying the lease. Yeah. So didn't save any money, but in the long run, it's going to benefit us the best. And where I'm actually at right now is I'm launching a new uh, side of our company right now. It'll be on a, the wholesale side. Oh, very cool. So the new equipment I got actually is is very commercial grade. Okay. Um, and so FIP, First Impressions Printing, will still be uh, obviously our retail side. But mm-hmm. now I'm starting, um, it's called Patriot Line. Okay. Um, obviously, I'm a veteran, and yes. I'm I'm very passionate about that. So, Patriot Line just is something that I just want to, as the name kind of rung with me. Um, but uh, so, you know, now that company will be veteran-owned, um, and uh, I'm going to be giving back a portion of the sales to veteran organizations. Oh, fantastic. Some, something I always want to do since I got into business. Um, I wanted to, you know, help my community in some way. And, yeah. and eventually, I'd love to get to the point where I actually start my own. Um, nonprofit that helps mm-hmm. veterans. Um, that's something I'm very passionate about. Um, yeah. And so that's that's where I'm in the going in the direction right now. But you know we're we're still on the grind stage. You yeah. know. And, yeah. And right now, obviously, you know, the print industry, there's the looming economy issues and things like that. And so yeah. we're you know a lot of people are holding tight to their money a little bit more. And a so bit more. Yep. yeah. So again, that's why I'm try. I want to diversify and like have many different avenues of way we can make money so yeah. that I never have to worry about laying anybody off or, or anything like that because, you know, my my team is, they're like family to me. Yeah. You know, so yeah. especially like when, you know, you talked about one of my employees that retired, you know, yeah. that was that was hard because, you know, that's like a family member like leaving. Right, <laughs> but, right. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a good Good segue, because um, I know there's some more of your story that didn't all get in the article that you really wanted to talk, touch base on. And um, one of the things that if they go back and read the article is that they find out that you were a police officer at one point, you were um, in the military. So why don't you give us a little bit of background on that and um, what you've been up to in the last year regarding that? Yeah. um, So I, uh, you know, I... Straight out of high school, I, I joined the military. Um, you know, there was a, peri- a short period of time where I actually went to college, and then I just – I was originally going to college or, uh, to be elementary education because, you know, I love kids, mm-hmm. and, you know, I always saw myself being a teacher. Um, and uh, during that time, <clears throat> how I how I actually realized um, when I was younger, uh, you know, 9-11 happened, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I was ninth grade, if I remember correctly. Um, Such a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm getting up there. I was in college. <laughs> uh, I'm getting up there. I'm 35 now. There you go. <laughs> so, but, um, no, it, it happened in the ninth grade. And um, I remember having the feeling of, uh, you know, everybody was, like, around me talking about, like, I'm so glad, I, you know, I never was on that plane or, you know, here or there, mm-hmm. you know. And – I had like a different feeling. Like my feeling was more of like I kind of wish I was on that plane, mm. and maybe I could have stopped those guys. You know. Yeah. And this is a little ninth grade. My, by the way, I, my ninth to tenth grade year, I grew seven and a half inches. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Oh I, my goodness. I had a huge. I was a little 
little tiny little thing at that point, you know, so, you know, but I would have fought hard, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but no, I, that, at that point though, I was still like, I feel like I was not fully mature enough to really understand mm-hmm. what the, that feeling inside of me really was like, and why I had that like thought that kind of crossed my mind of wanting to be there rather than other people that were th- glad they weren't there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, again, I, at that point, I, I wasn't even thinking military police or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know, fully. Um, you know, it was a thought in my mind because I had two brothers that were in the military. Um, one was in the Army and one was in the Navy. Um, okay. And uh, and then my grandpa was also in the military. Okay. Um, but, again, it never really crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was in college, um, you know, my first semester, I don't remember exactly. I should probably remember which school shooting it was, but there was a prominent school shooting, um, that happened at that time. Again, like a lot of people were talking about, you know, you know, I wish I'm glad, I'm glad I wasn't there. My kid wasn't there, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, my thought process was, I wish I was there. I wish I was a teacher there, you know, cause I was my mindset, you know, I was thinking teaching. I was like, I wish I was a teacher there. Maybe I could have stopped those kids from being killed or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. And then, um, I talked with, uh, one of my friend's um, parents, uh, he was in the military and uh, he kind of said, you know why you're having that feeling, right? And I'm like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, he's like, you want to protect people. I was like, yeah. I was like, I never thought about that. I was like, you know, I guess I am kind of protect. I feel like I have a protective nature about me. I guess if you really think about it, I yeah. said, but I never really saw myself being that person. You know, I, you know, I always felt like I was, you know, just me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I kind of put some thought into it and I really want, realized that, you know, I want to be a police officer. I want to help people. Obviously at the time I was only 18 years old. Um, and so I couldn't be a police officer. You had to be 21 years old, right. um, to be a police officer, but to join the military, <laughs> but to join the military, you can be 18, you can be 18. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, so I ended up, uh, you know, next thing I knew, I, I, I went to the recruiter's office, I did the whole thing, you know, where you got to go through the process and everything. And mm-hmm. I, I went through it and with, I got accepted and went and chose my MOS and which is MOS is your job basically. Okay. Um, and, um, I chose military police. Um, and, um, within 11 days I left for, they, they, <laughs> they gave me an extra bonus if I left quickly. Oh, uh, Cause wow. there was at the time there was a need for it. Okay. Um, that, that job. Um, and so they gave me an additional bonus if I left within 11 days to go to my training. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I ended up going to training, um, and this is, uh, November, 2006. Okay. And this is army. Yeah. This is army. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, so I go through my training and go through all that. Um, I get back right when I get back, one of our family friends, you know, was, I wouldn't say I was like super close with them, but I hung mm-hmm. out with them a lot. And the family I was a, basically my second family. Um, it was their cousin, um, you know, and we played basketball together. Did go to church together and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, he died in Afghanistan mm-hmm. from an IED. Um, for those that don't know what IED is, it's an uh, improvised explosive device, um, and uh, and that's what killed him. And I just got back, and my unit was was calling me. I ignored their phone calls for like for a little while because I thought maybe they were, I don't know. I, this is young, you know, 
uh, not knowing everything me. Yeah. I thought my unit's calling me. Maybe they want me to try to play, do honor guard for him or something like that. Yeah. And I wanted to go as a civilian. I didn't want to go representing the military, you know, because okay. I knew I'm on the civilian side. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so I ignored that call. End up going to the funeral. I come back, you know, get another call, you know, after that from my unit again. This time I actually answer. Well, they gave me the announcement we're deploying. Um, and all my family and friends, because our community is small, you know, knew knew about him knew everything like it was a, it was kind of yeah. a big deal to especially the people close to me yeah. you know they knew about it and uh so um i didn't tell people for a little while cuz cuz it was still fresh in everybody and i go yeah. how am i supposed to tell them hey jacob just died but uh you know I, i'm going to war you know yeah. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so uh you know I, that was kind of a you know a sore subject for a little while and you know i told like two people i think mm-hmm. um and, uh, but how soon after the funeral did you wind up having to leave? So we were originally supposed to leave in October. The funeral was, I want to say June. Okay. Um, we were supposed to leave in October. It was a pretty quick, mm-hmm. you know, turn up and go. Um, but they ended up getting pushed back to, to January. Okay. So, okay. yeah. So, about, so when did you finally let, start letting people know? Um, I let about, I think, oh, Maybe two, three weeks go by or something like that. I, I didn't want to like let it drag out because I knew I was supposed to leave in October and I didn't want to like last minute drop it on people. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it, uh, that was kind of how that happened. Okay. Um, and uh, so coming back around 2008, January, mm-hmm. um, we deployed to Iraq. Um, that's where we decided to go. And my, um, my particular job was detainee, detainee ops. Um, so basically, you know, we would like, um, um, some of our people, we'd go capture or go, go pick up people, uh, the bad guys the, mm-hmm. to put it nicely, I guess, yeah, yeah. um, the, you know, that had been captured or, you know, whatever happened. And then they bring back to the jail, um, through air transport. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would actually hold them in a prison there. And okay. it, so it was a big prison. We had like 17,000 detainees plus there. Wow. Yep. It was very, very big wow. operation. Okay. And it's not like your general uh, prisons like you have in the U.S. where it's like, you know, big buildings and, you know, cells yeah. and things like that. Um, it's big open compounds. Okay. Um, and, you know, you have – now the ones we were in charge of were the worst of the worst. Um, so you had like – there was levels. There was green, yellow uh, – it's been a while. There was <laughs> another color. I think red, green – yeah, green, yellow, red, black – and we had the black. Okay, and the um, black was the worst. And the black was the worst. And um, so that's where we, you know, those guys were as a little more locked down a little bit more mm-hmm. so than what the other ones were, where they could just be free roaming almost uh, yeah. in their in their um, compound. That's kind of, a, you know, one of the big things that we kind of had there. Well, um, you said that you started finally talking about over this last year about your experience as a veteran and your experience over there and stuff like that. Do you mind sharing some of that? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing, um, you know, veteran suicide is, is huge in it, uh, that, you know, it's starting, it's gotten a lot more notice, I think over the last, you know, several years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 
because of people putting out their voice, you know, and trying to be uh, start these nonprofits and things like that to help veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still there's still still an issue. Um, yeah. And I think one of the biggest issues, um, you know, this is just coming from my opinion. This is not any, you know, direct like concrete evidence or right. anything like that. This is just my thoughts and how I, I feel like this truly affects veterans is, um, you know, we go back to world war one to Vietnam, you know, mm-hmm. all the, you know, we think about the things that those guys have been through. Like, yeah. the, I can't even imagine what that war was truly like to go through what they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Vietnam, you know, they came back and they were treated horribly yeah. by, by Americans, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even at the beginning of Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, the 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 all out war it was, you know, mm-hmm. initially. By the time I got there in two thousand eight, you know, it it calmed down. Don't get me wrong, we were still at war, um, but it had calmed down. So, you know, a lot of us, I feel, are f- afraid to talk about it because we know people had it way worse yeah. than what we had. But I think, I think the the biggest thing that, and this goes for the general public too. This is not just veterans is we, we compare our situations of what we feel internally, um, and try to minimize it and think, Oh, you know what? But somebody else has it worse. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, you know, we don't want to talk about it because we're like, you know what? I really didn't have it that bad, you know? So I shouldn't be feeling what I'm feeling. You know, it's, it's, you know, everything like that. You try to push it down and you don't want to talk about it also because you don't want somebody, you know, especially in the military community, you know, you we're hard on each other, you know, yeah. but not, but I think obviously not in that realm If somebody's struggling, you know, we're there for each other. We're always right. going to be there for each other. Um, but, um, still you have that feeling of like, you know, you know, we were trained to be tough and, you know, rub some dirt on it, drink some water and drive on, you know, mm-hmm. you can't help how you feel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for me personally, you know, like, again, I had, I had it, my deployment was, you know, compared to others was, you know, easy, Mm -hmm. you know, I had, you know, there, there's nothing like that, but I still have my struggles because of things I experienced while I was there. Um, you know, the, the hardest thing is by the time we were there in 2008, um, the Iraqis, Afghan and Afghanians, they knew not to get in a firefight with us, gun versus gun. We're, we were way too good at what we did at, and when it came to that, you know, right. trained, like, you know, they just, they, they were no match for us in that way. And they knew that. So the way they changed their strategies up was bombing us mm-hmm. from afar, mortaring us is what, you know, what they call it. Um, you know, IEDs, you know, and things like that, yeah. things that they don't physically have to be there and actually worry about, you know, getting, you know, backlash from us, you know, from right. trying to hurt us, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, so that, that we got bombed, you know, from time to time and, uh, you know, throughout our time there, you know, and it mm-hmm. was, it was pretty frequent, you know, obviously yeah. you don't get bombed here. I mean, not to say ever, but I'm okay. sure there there's moments in areas where there's bombs that happen, you know, yeah. but you just think about it. It's not your part of your normal day life. Right. Whereas there, you know, you have this alarm goes off and, you know, it's like, take cover, take cover, you know, incoming, incoming, you know, blah, blah. Initially, the first part, the first time you hear it, we're all running to the bunkers, like hiding and stuff like that. And over time, 
everybody starts to want to try to be the tough guy and like, mm. like, oh, I'm just going to stay in my, and stay here. You know, I die, I die, you know, you know, whatever. Yeah. And trying to be the tough guy, which internally I can, I'm not saying not everybody, I'm sure there were some people that really did feel that way, but I think most people were just outwardly trying to act like the tough guy, mm-hmm. but internally extremely scared yeah. that I know for me, it was the hardest thing not knowing because like you basically, you know, is this next step I take, is it going to be my last? And you don't have that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are dangers in, in right. our society. Right. But not, not the same. Yes. Again, so there you are comparing. Uh, yeah, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about it and there you are comparing. But yeah, it, it's a different world. It's an entirely different scenario. Yeah. So you kind of go through, you know, that like constant state of like alertness and like worry that your next step is going to be your last type of feeling. And even though you do kind of, you're, you're on base, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be safe. Like, you know, you got tons of military personnel all around you, you know, but again, they didn't fight with guns. Like they fought with, they'd be up in the mountains or far away with a mortar, you know, which is basically, it's a little tube. They stick a little thing in and it shoots from far away. By the time they can shoot off several of them, and by the time we re- react and get somebody out there to try to find them, they're gone. Yeah. You know, so you have that kind of, you know, never feeling fully, like, safe there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one situation in, <clears throat> in particular. We actually were, we were, we had left Iraq. We were in Kuwait processing out to go home. And we were considered in the green zone. That's what they were considered. They haven't been bombed in, in years. Like, mm-hmm. And we were sitting in our uh, tents. It was like, I think there was like six of us. We're playing spades. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and um, all of a sudden the alarm goes off, uh, you know, indirect fire. And then all of a sudden bombs started going off. And all of us, you know, get under our cots. Like it's going <laughs> to, like it's going to save, like it's going to save us. Um, yeah. But you know, we all, we were, we, at that moment, we already were like accepting, oh, we're safe. We're going home. Like yeah. we're, we're done with this. No more worries of like not coming home. And, and it was out. ripped right back away from us. And the fear, like some of them, they'll never, you know, I don't know if they remember it like I do, but I saw the fear in their eyes just as much as I felt mm-hmm. that I thought we were safe. Like, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, just situations like that, you know, yeah, those are the type of stuff. And I, and I feel like that's where. That's where I feel like most, and it's men mostly. I'm not saying women, but it's it's usually the stigma of men mm-hmm. not wanting to feel like they're not the tough guy or something like that if they come out and talk about these internal struggles. Because um, now when I'm home, like I still to this day, like I can't go to church. I can't go to a grocery store, especially places with a large amount of people without feeling unsafe. Mm-hmm. Like... And it's not that I, I do feel a level, like I'm, I, I'm realistic enough in my head to know I'm safe. Right. But like, I still have that internal, like, what if this, what if this, like, don't let your guard down type mm-hmm. of, you know, like feeling. Yeah. And uh, so like, I always have this level of alertness, which then mentally, you know, over time throughout the day, if I have this constant like feeling of like alertness, it just trains me. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I, you know, if I'm in a, a, a long period of time in a certain air, atmosphere like that, yeah. like even networking events, going to, you know, things like that, like that's takes a toll on me, like mentally, because, yes. you know, because I'm, 
So I'm trying to like keep that tucked down and keep a good face to the public and like be, you know, the owner of a business and like putting on that owner mask. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, being what people expect of me, (laughs) you know, you know, and, uh, you know, so then I come home and I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, oh, you know, like, you know, (laughs) can you believe we're almost out of time? Where oh, has the yeah. time gone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, is there anything else that you wanted to address before we wrap up here? You know, I did want to say one more thing um, about referencing my article. You know, I had mentioned about my dad in, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, yeah, I kind of felt bad because obviously you can only fit so much in an article. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I talked about, you know, how his past, uh, he, you know, he was a drug dealer, um, and things like that. Um, and how, you know, when I was three years old, he found God and overcame that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I, obviously that was about all I really fit in there, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so it just, I wanted to make sure like I didn't paint him into this, you know, <laughs> I, I knew what, you know, I was saying when I was saying it, but I, you know, people were just reading that might, you know, think differently about my dad, but my dad was one of the huge parts of my lives my life and how I became the man I am today. And, um, he, um, you know, he, he taught me that you can't overcome, you know, your situation, no matter what it is, you know, the biggest thing I also want to put out there too, um, and this relates to my dad in a way is, um, he taught me that, you know, matter, no matter what you're going through, where, where your situation is. And I think, you know, Today, I feel like, you know, we have such a, like a, a victimhood mentality that like mm-hmm. people have and like that people like you just want to put them in this box of like, okay, well, you, you're poor, you're, you know, you, this is how you grew up. This is, you know, you're just going to, this is, you have to accept this life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up with money or anything like that. You know, my dad, obviously because of my dad's past, you know, he had troubles in the law, things like that. Yeah. He couldn't get your your really good jobs or anything like that but he pressed on and pushed through it all and you know became you know he was constantly you know a lot of parents will tell you like like hide the bad stuff in their life Mm -hmm. and then don't ever really allow you to you know see the true side of what they went through in their life and how they've overcome or anything like that and he was just straight honest with me like every little bad mistake he made in his life hey don't make this mistake make sure to do this like do better like you know i i should have did this don't do that you know just all that yeah. kind of stuff and <clears throat> it really like helped propel me i feel in my life by him just being honest and open with me and um you know i just uh he, he's a, he was a big part of how i where i am at in my life um by pushing me and to be the better person yeah, and not make the same mistakes as he made. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the kind of the biggest thing I really wanted to put out there just because, you know, uh, he, he was way bigger of a part of than just the dad. <laughs> that little, that, yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, it was kind of funny full circle, you know, dad was a drug dealer and I became a cop. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we, we joke These about little, that. Yeah. <laughs> we joke about that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. We, um, but you are correct. There's that's, I think that's one of the things that, um, I really was excited for about this particular, uh, month when we were planning, being able to call back and do stories and also doing the podcast because it allows people to say more than what we can put yeah. on a page yep. and really um, expound on their stories and yeah. stuff. And there's a lot of times when um, I interview people where 
that expansion is necessary to really understand, and you don't always get to put that on the page. Yep. And so I appreciate you yeah. wrapping that up full circle for people to <laughs> yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. thank you. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed talking with you. I wish we could talk for hours, and we'd probably fill it up just probably. fine. <laughs> <laughs> probably. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here at the Locala Podcast. Once again, I'm Lisa Anderson, your host. We'll have a link to Josh's business and his original article for you in the description. Uh, We look forward to seeing you here on the next podcast where we focus on connections through stories. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Locala podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead, like, share, and download. Your support is truly appreciated.